coffee shop's activities around me include students who are pecking away at their computer keys, busily composing the response to some obscure class assignment while sipping on their coffees. I overhear one of them read their content out loud. It's poetry. The few phrases being read are inspiring, and I figured that since I too had been noting down some occasional gems of rhyme and psychologically motivated reasons, well, why not put together a small book of 42 eclectic short poems? And uh, eclectic they are. Some of the titles are uh, Life Decisions, When I Used to Smoke, Grandma's Doctor, Survival, Attempting to Meditate, Pratt Institute Student Lounge 1972, The Riddle of the Middle, Solar Messiah, Haiku Number One, Doodling Manias, Foolish Minds, Playing Peekaboo with God, Aging, My Father's Arm on My Shoulder, On the Subway, and uh, Loneliness. I published it, and now it's on Amazon, and I'll uh, reveal the title at the end of this podcast. So here's my unabashed book promotion with some anecdotal commentaries that are not in the book. I'll read a couple of lines of teasers for you. As I munch on some Yalsberg cheese, some nuts, and a glass of chilled Vouvray wine. So uh, get in the mood, because here it comes. As I mentioned, the poems are eclectic, very different topics uh, collected from different times during my life. I had at one point attended a school of philosophy, one that I mention in the introduction of my book, and I'll read that introduction to you. Back in the early 1980s, I attended a school that taught us that it was all one mind. I didn't understand what that meant at the time, but the school also taught us how to develop our powers of observation. And with that power, we became more aware of our respective life experiences, how similar they were, and yet each one of us expressing them differently. Poetry is a form of this observation exercise that allows us to meet behind the darkness of confusion and share in the unifying impressions of a single mind. So that's the kind of the um, intended effect of the book. And now 
I'll tell you about the muse that provided inspiration for the initial poems in the book. Sometime between her years of high school and college, a talented friend of my daughter visited us and sketched the picture that is now on the cover of this poetry book. The resulting image was immediately striking, and the family realized that it had an alluring quality about it. Eventually, it became my muse, and I began to delve into what the image might try to convey. So, here's the initial poem entitled, A Portrait by Danielle. She saw it just then, behind, through, within her, that shimmer surrounding darkness, still and void. Raising her face to brightness streaming, passing, shining from somewhere, now seen, now felt, draws her stare there. And in that instant, the figure of a girl created on paper, transcends black and white to remain forever transfixed, a work of art. I, um, I try to impart specific impressions that are not only physical, like light and dark, but also elicit a recognizable emotional response with which the listener can connect. Here are the uh, first two stanzas from another poem entitled Two Students, One Room, in which the sensation of apathy is developed. We're two students in a single room, sharing only a moment in the present, with futures diverging too fast and both powerless to slow its effects. Who is she? I wonder many times. What is she really like when I am not a part of her space, when neither of us really cares? So um, if you've ever had to dorm with different students, this aspect of an aloof relationship is familiar to you. But I also like to be a bit more fervent and uh, what's more fervent than the frustrations expressed in a prayer? Ever consider even attempting to write a prayer? <laughs> it's not easy. You have to dig deep within yourself to find what you really want. I expressed my desire in the following way, simply entitled, A Prayer. Here are the beginning stanzas. Dear God, I know you're always around, but I don't always notice you. It seems that unless there is a crisis or some sentimental occasion, it is difficult to pay attention to you. I live in a world that is constantly drawing my attention toward its chaotic activities. When I am involved with the world in this way, I lose my thoughts of you. I become separated from you, and I am left fragmented. 
Yeah, so um, my lamenting of frustrations in this poem culminates in a realizable solution, which I'll leave to you to discover if you get my book and read the rest of this prayer. Another choice from my short but poignant poetry book deals with my family's escape from the Hungarian Revolution of 1956, which began on October 23rd. I was eight at the time when my mother, who spent part of the early 1940s in Auschwitz's concentration camp, was not going to wait for another similar ordeal to take place from the invading Russians. She demanded that we join one of the many refugee-seeking groups escaping from Hungary. The following middle stanzas of this poem express the moment we crossed over the border. Moments passed into the days, calm acceptance in my brains, for once we cleared across the line, my father's visions now were mine. Revelations from his lips related why we made the trips. We came away from darkness then, light began to shine again. But there was yet another traumatic, life-changing moment some 45 years later. I'd been traveling to uh, work on a subway in downtown New York City during the early morning hours. The book I'd been engrossed in at the time, entitled Masters of Wisdom, dealt with the various mystical teachers of Arabic origins. A very ironic juxtaposition to the cataclysm that was taking place above ground. This next poem, entitled A 9-11 Stop, describes my calm to frantic impressions as I realize what is taking place. I was a block away from the first building that collapsed, and my legs froze as I watched. I couldn't move. I was convinced that I would die. <laughs> I'll read you uh, some of the lines from this poem. Slowly I began my trek toward the place my work should stack. A camera from my sack would click, people falling, dying quick. Then someone yelled at me to run. I heard a rushing sound begun. An avalanche was clouding toward me. The thought of dying struck me quickly. In um, retrospect, surviving 9-11 is a heavy burden when you think that thousands of others perished in it. The past can be so sad. Luckily, the future can ameliorate the depression and channel one's interests into a more optimistic longing. In this next poem, entitled Mars Time, the sensations of an invasion can alter one's perceptions. 
in these few first lines of the poem, one can visualize the inevitable outcome. A crimson orb spinning slower than earth, evolving its rocks without any birth, pockmarked with craters through the millennia, revealing its dust above Elysium Planitia. An earthly spirit surrounded by halos hangs from red skies on a space platform's gallows, bounces to the surface, imprinting its stain. Sol 1 begins on the Gusev Plain. Such is the trend toward the future. During my college years, I played numerous chess games with a grandmaster named Nicholas Rosalimo. In his studio, I learned to lose, draw, and win. But the most important aspect of that experience was getting to know him. He certainly taught me a lot, and when he passed away from an accidental fall, instead of tears, I wrote a longing poem entitled Ode to Rosalimo. In the poem, I'm addressing the mythical goddess of chess named Caissa. Some of these lines express my melancholy. How you hovered o'er the ken when there moved those wooden men lighted with agility upon checkered reality. Taken now from off this ball, taken with a planless fall, no longer to start again with life's little wooden men. The last poem in my book, appropriately entitled, Is This the Last?, addresses our lack of perceiving the moments when something meaningful ends. It's a kind of admonition to appreciate what we have now, in the present. The significant stanza reads like this. In the momentum of joys, we never anticipate transitions. A simple turn of reflection on a less than perfect moment, and we know a season has passed. As I said, I would let you know the name of my little poetry book. The title is Behind the Darkness, Poetry from a Mind. And there's a little puzzle in the back of the book involving Chinese characters. It's in the afterword page. Let me know what translation you get. Email me at... Uh, notes at the cafe at gmail.com and yes there are two t's in notes at the cafe make that three but two one after the other n-o-t-e-s-a-t-t-h-e-c-a-f-e at gmail.com Final comments. 
What do you think? Is this the last podcast? Is this the last? Some of you may wish that it was. But as long as there's coffee shops, I'll be taking notes. In the meantime, drink that wine, eat that cheese, chomp on the nuts, and I'll see you.